Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. I'm Amy. On this week's pod, Keegan-Michael Key on self-encouragement, Raphael Sadiq and Steve Lacey on collaboration, the creative urge of John Coltrane, new music, and more. First off, what's new? What's on your mind, Amy? <laughs> oh, hello. Um, what's on my mind is I had sort of a week that was a little tough and then went to the Adirondacks. I'm visiting my grandparents right now. And I I wasn't burned out as in in a serious way, like, oh, I'm going to move or like, oh, I I can't live in New York anymore. I could never. But I was kind of like low battery and I got here Saturday morning and it's Monday now. I'm feeling ready to go back. So I'm just realizing that I think if I can kind of look forward and just like pick some weekends to go to places that are quieter or like places I know that ground me that have nature, that have family, that have all these things that ground me, <laughs> then <laughs> I think um, it can just augment the New York vibe because I really love living in New York. I just, um, it's been pretty clear to me like how tiring it is to sometimes feel unsafe or like the thing where everything's happening all the time and it feels like you can't breathe sometimes except in your own apartment, which is cool, but not the same as like being at near a lake. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> I, I feel you. I had a very similar vibe like for, uh, for spring break this year. Like we, instead of normally like what I do for spring break, what I've done like for forever is like, I'll go like up North to some like weird, like little chill cabin sort of a situation and just like kind of get away. But this year it was like, we were like, let's go on like an actual trip. Like we went to Montreal and like did a thing. And it was just kind of like, it was just a little bit, it's like, yeah, kind of knowing when it's like you want to, when you want things to be slow, like slowed down or sped up and kind of like yeah. out. And those two things are really like there's, they're very different kinds of like vacations or time off or time away. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I get that every week going to Boston. Like it's just a different vibe. It's definitely slower than New York. Not saying that it's has more nature. It's more grounding, but it's just a different pace. So I don't have to feel like I have to walk 35 miles an hour while walking down the sidewalk like I can I am slow in Boston because I'm carrying a bunch of stuff but I actually can walk slowly and not feel vibed for it <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I think that's really nice in the sense that I get a break every week from that so it, it's definitely yeah. understandable especially living in the city to want a break from all the things yeah it feels I good it was funny. I was thinking about like New York and it's like um, there is very much a vibe like New York in the summer, like it, like New York City in the summer. It's like it just is almost like a ghost town. Like everyone just kind of like leaves. There's like not the same sort of like thing in the summer. And I think like 
I think there's part of that where it's, there's something about that where it's so concentrated during like the fall and spring so that like the summer comes along and it's like everyone just needs like, okay, I, need, I can only do that <laughs> pace at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me of what someone said once to me when I, like when I was doing my doctorate where I was just kind of like, oh my God, this is so hard. And like, I don't know if I can do this and like forever or whatever. And someone's like, well, you don't do this forever. Like there's a reason why this is a very limited specific time that you're doing this and it doesn't just go on for like, you know, eternity. eternity. Yeah. Because you really can't like that. That's not really the speed that it's built for. like that's not the speed that it's at it's like you're sprinting yeah. and that's how it feels like i mean you're kind of talking about walking fast in new york i feel like but just like <laughs> mentally culturally every part of it is like sprinting so long term yeah if you're not like taking if you're not taking breaks for your brain um someone once said that like in the city especially in new york like you're very you're very close to everyone else physically, but like mentally you're very, like you're very far apart or like you, there's a lot of distance between people. But then if you go to like the country, you're like very far apart physically from other people, but you're like mentally much closer. Like there's this thing where like in the city, you can be like pressed up against someone else in the subway. Right. Not even, not even like really see them or like not even really yeah. perceive them as a human almost. That part of it is exhausting for me. Yeah. I don't love that part of it. Like having to know where people are at all times, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty just like cynical about people's intentions, which is like, I don't know. Maybe I'll calm down about that. I was saying, I think it might be me. Like it might just be getting used to like living in a city. And obviously there's like a balance. There's people who are just minding their own business. I've had some beautiful conversations, but yeah, it's weird to be so close to everybody, but still like a bit lonely. But I'm not lonely, but you know what I'm saying? Like when you're going places yeah. by yourself, like to work or something, you're alone, but surrounded. But it's like almost more lonely than actually being alone, you know, because there's like sort of a disconnect in a way. Yeah. And I think also I when I depart from that, I actually have the space to figure out, well, how can I make habits there that are going to be helpful because it's so easy for me to just like say yes to the next thing and then suddenly it's like six nights later and I'm like what it's been a week <laughs> you know yeah so um, I, I totally feel you the city's cool. hard the city's it hard is. I don't want to I don't want to dunk on New York obviously like I think we all like love New York oh my gosh yeah I love New York so much, but it's one of those things like if if you want to, I don't know, I like you want to continue to live New York. Part of that is just like the a mental, emotional maintenance of it or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I love the idea of having certain places to go because then it doesn't, it does make it feel sustainable in a way. Like, okay, like I can appreciate the things I love about it and how grateful I am to be there while also allowing myself some breaths or like some distance from it for perspective purposes. <laughs> when I was in grad school, uh, Dave Liebman told us that he's like, you don't have to live in New York, but like people just need to think you're living. People just need to think you live in New York. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's kind of wow. accurate though. I was, I, well, another can of worms, but I was 
talking with a friend the other day and I'm just like, why did we choose New York? Like the smallest island mm. for it to be the cultural hub. I mean, I understand like they said, like has a bunch of ports, like a bunch of imports come through here. Like it was e easier access from people coming from different parts of the world. So it just happened to be like this melting pot of things. But I was like, God dang, could we not have chosen a place with more space? <laughs> like that would have been greatly appreciated. Just like more space <sighs> and like some grass, some grass. You have Central Park. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you're so complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny how different places, even like different neighborhoods within Manhattan, like just look completely different. Yeah. Like Central Park. I'm like, oh, here's some nature. Not the same, but whatever. <laughs> and then the different neighborhoods, it's like you could be in a different city. Kind of. Yeah. It's rough, but well, love it here. I do. If you can make it there, you, you can, can make, make a chair. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a chair. Yeah, clean that up. That's gonna catch on. I think. I love that. <laughs> um, Charlie. Charlie. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, I was thinking about something kind of different <laughs> this week. Gear shift. Imagine. Yeah. So I don't know. I like some things came up this week where there were some folks that were kind of doing some like lesson things or some like pedagogical things like on social media, uh, namely like TikTok. And I think like it, it kind of brought up some questions for a lot of folks. Um, first of all, like kind of like what, like what feels like cool and right and okay. And does this feel like weird or not weird? And like, why does it feel weird or not weird? I know like I was kind of like processing my feelings about this. Um, and it's kind of weird. I'm kind of like talk. I'm like kind of talking about a thing without talking about a thing, like kind of trying to talk around stuff like specifics of things. But I was just kind of thinking a little bit about like how we present for those of us that are teaching, you know, like how we present our students on the internet and in what context and how it relates to like our own sort of like promotional sort of stuff or our own work or whatever that is and the, in the institutions that we teach at or work for and um i don't know i just i this it doesn't feel like something to i'm still like in the beginning of my thoughts about this and maybe it would be something that would be cool to write about more but mm. i think I think when I had to kind of like talk about it a little bit, my general philosophy has been that like, um, if I'm going to present my students on my own, like social media accounts, first of all, that's like very rare. Like I would do that very rarely just because it feels like it's not my thing to share necessarily. But if I were to do that, I would want to be kind of like promoting them or showing them in a good light or be like, Hey, check out their project or, um, you know, this person's really cool or whatever that, whatever that kind of thing is and not maybe necessarily like in process of working on something like particularly like a new thing. Um, but I don't know. I was just kind of like wanted to get other people's thoughts about this or, and maybe I'm not setting it up or describing it very well or, or I think you are, but yeah. like as folks that are teachers, but have also been students. Like when I was an undergrad, I like the internet was like barely invented. Like it was, it was like, um, 
we had Facebook, but it was like only at our college. And Instagram didn't mm. come out until Instagram wasn't really even a thing until like pretty much after I was I graduated from grad school. So um so this whole thing was like not really there was never an issue there was never a moment where I had a teacher that was like, Oh, I'm going to like I'm gonna post this video of us working on something in a lesson or whatever. And particularly of like me screwing up or something, which is just like I was doing constantly. So it wouldn't have been hard to find a moment of me screwing up. <laughs> Charlie. it's a little bit like um it, it, maybe it's a little bit like a master class where you like you get up and do a thing and then someone kind of like coaches you through something and like try something but like that feels mostly kind of like limited um in a, in a way that it's like you know those that's mostly for the people in the room i would think in a lot of those scenarios and i right. think like that always can feel really vulnerable i think that's like that's usually like a a vibe check that should happen anyways in that like are we all here in a supportive way in a way that we know the internet is not <laughs> like totally that. yeah so anyways what like what 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 do you all think about about that idea generally or any thoughts i think it's cool if you're showing like a student's progress or you feel like it's something that they're proud of that you're showing instead of it being about, hey, look at how I taught this person. It's like, no, like, look at how this person has, you know, taken initiative for them doing their work. Or like you said before, in the sense of, they're part of, I think essentially it's just what, like what you said, you're posting something or you're promoting them because they're proud of it, not because you're proud of what you did as the educator, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think it has potential to feel really um, self-centered in a teaching way <laughs> because like um, I never have been in a lesson with anyone who's like filmed it. Unless it was like, I think the only time I've, no, like only auditions have been filmed for me in terms of like people will say, hey, this is also being recorded. Um, unless it's like a debt, like the, it's like one time I did a, I was the student for like someone practicing teaching, like for, you know, when they, when I'm not speaking well, <laughs> when, when they like audition for, for being a doctoral student or something and then they do a demo lesson but i know like natalie weiss posts videos of her lessons but hers are more like before after things so it is the process but it's super cut up it's chopped up and it always reads to me like the student and the teacher are on the same page like this is going to be posted. And I hope that she sends those videos to the students before posting them or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've never been bothered by that. I think like when it's weird is when you feel like you're like eavesdropping, like when you feel like you're like, Oh, this is a private moment. Like, why am I watching this? Like some of those videos that you'll see of like moments that are filmed that just feel like you shouldn't, I don't know. Like, you know, those those interactions where someone will film from the side or something. And it's like a fight. And you're like, why am I watching this right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, 
I just think the the lesson space is a sacred space because hopefully there's like a lot of trust and safety involved. And I don't think that the internet necessarily prioritizes those values. So I just think it's like gets ri- a little gnarly and risky getting opening that can of worms because I think very quickly it could become a hostile environment, yeah. <laughs> quite frankly. I don't know. Especially if done with the wrong intentions. Yeah. Like... Like you said, hopefully the student approves of the video being posted. Right. Yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty sensitive to like the power dynamic of all of that kind of stuff too. And mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, if it feels like, oh, we're collaborating on this thing. But I, I've just seen some things recently where it just felt like very like, oh, come study with me. Look at this, like, look at how faint, like, look at how impressive like what I'm doing is and like look at how much the student can't keep up with me or whatever that thing Mm -hmm. it's like I don't know it it, yeah it just it feels really kind of gross in a way that's like kind of hard for me to perceive I don't and I don't know I think like as as all of this develops as our as as you know pedagogy and the internet and stuff evolve together existing in this at the same time like I think I think the, the these will be kind of things to work out. I, most of the places I've taught before have been like very strict about like what's okay to post and what's kind of not okay to post, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- I think like that's becoming a much harder thing to manage or something or to kind of like to really set rules around. And I didn't always like all those rules. Like I felt like some yeah. of those rules were kind of like holding some things back that would be cool to do, but that maybe like IT people or marketing people or whoever, like we're just not comfortable with or didn't really understand or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I have like a really super like definitive opinion on it or, or anything yet, but I'm just kind of like, I'm having some feelings about it and it's kind of come up a lot in the mm-hmm. last week and kind of come at from different angles from different folks. Yeah. I've been thinking. I guess I've been thinking about it. that's what this segment's <laughs> whole all about. What's on your mind? Yeah, I actually yeah. think like a person, a, an educator that I really appreciate that does it kind of well is Tia Fuller. Hmm. Like she's always yeah. posting her students, but it's like her like doing like crazy fun angles or like encouraging them while they're learning. She's like, yeah, you better get it. Like you know, while they're like doing the choreography that she's doing for the ensemble or. She gave she's giving a lecture and she's like having the kids, the kids, the students chant these like encouraging things about themselves. Like it's more more of that sense in that she's showing herself as an educator, but she's also showcasing that the students are enjoying their their time. And she kind of does it pretty frequently, like when she does private lessons, I know she'll like ask, hey, like, let's what we just worked on. Let's try like performing it. And she'll like, is it okay if I video it? Like, and then she'll post it and she'll be like, hire these students, you know, something like that, which I appreciate. I think she's that like, goes good. along with what Charlie was saying, as in like, um, maybe they've already worked through it once without being yeah. filmed. <laughs> I don't know if they have, but I feel like intention also is like so important. Like, I guess as a, as an educator, like one can ask themselves why am i posting this yeah that can get a little gnarly too though because when i think too hard about why i'm posting things i'm like 
all of this is so weird. Like it's, it's like kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Probably but, some percentage of this is all is like related to just the weird feelings I have about self-promotion just kind of right in every, in every way, shape or form. Yeah. But, but Alexander and I were kind of talking about this this week. Uh, we had, we had some chance to hang a chance to hang out a little bit. And then, and then I think what you were thinking about this week, Alexandria, was maybe kind of related, at least in a way, to at least to that conversation. Yeah. Which was essentially like asking for help. <laughs> 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 like um, we, we talked about um, using your network and like reaching out to people and letting them help you or um, letting them put you in the spaces for help. Mm -hmm. um, and Charlie was saying like, no one got anywhere without help. Like no one got anywhere on their own. There was some type of, not in, but there was some type of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like facilitating, facilitative force, whether it be like a program or an individual or financial, <laughs> like, there's something that that helped them get to where they are. And I think I personally struggle with just like asking for help in general and feeling like I'm asking this person for like the greatest task of like getting lunch with them or it's it's um, I'm he was like, it's okay to like <laughs> they know that they know that they have something to offer. And like, if they choose mm -hmm. to say yes, then like to go for it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with going for it. <laughs> we all need help. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're somebody who does so much on like on your own, if you're hardworking and you have all these qualities of um, somebody who's getting it done, then I think it's like, that would be the next step because I think collaborate. What? Do, where did I read that? Like everything is collaboration. Like literally everything. Oh, in the book, I'm pretty sure it's in the book we're reading mm -hmm. for book club. Um, Rick Rick Rubin said like it's all collaboration, even if it's just like co collaboration with the art. But yeah, asking for help. It's hard. And there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to ask. There's a lot of different kinds mm -hmm. of asks. Styles, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm um I'm historically not a particularly like religious or spiritual person, but I have like worked a lot in churches, especially when I was younger, like singing and singing in choirs and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one thing I I heard a pastor say that was just kind of like, There are no unselfish acts. I think he was like talking about like Jesus being the only one in the in like the <laughs> history of the world that like actually did something unselfish but like mm -hmm. but basically being like don't even like worry like don't even like worry about being unselfish or selfish or whatever like everything basically everything we do has like some sort of it's like we're all fitting in this ecosystem so you do something nice for someone you're expecting them to at least maybe think like, oh, that was nice and smile at you or whatever. <laughs> it might be like simple things, but like everything we do is kind of like for something, 
even if it's for like us, our, you just ourselves feeling good about doing something yeah. nice or whatever that is. And um, I think there's a lot of ways to think about that. And I don't think to me, I don't think that's kind of gross. I think like if we think like, oh, yeah, I'm doing everything so unselfishly or whatever that is, it's like you're probably actually not perceiving the ways that like <laughs> the things that are happening that aren't that way. But um like if you have friends or you have other people that you work with or that are around you, like they want to be helpful. Like they want to help you if they can. And I, you know, there's always this worry of like nepotism, like, oh, are they just doing that because they, cause we're friends or whatever that is. And it's like, that's like the whole world is built on that. Like, yeah. every, like society is built <laughs> yeah. on that. Like, I'm doing this for you because I think you're cool. I like you. We're friends and like, or you're my family or whatever that is. And it's like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, that's like the fabric of this whole situation. I know. Also, I feel like nepotism is only really an issue if the person is entirely unqualified and the only reason they're receiving opportunities because of the relationship. And then two, if it sort of, uh, like cuts access to other people but if like all of us commit to being open-minded and like making new relationships but prioritizing the ones that are important like i don't think there's anything weird about, about that because like the moment i realized oh like if you can make some real friends and then you have trust and like can make some cool stuff together like that sounds good to me i'll be there <laughs> you know like people want to be with people they like yeah I don't know. No, hundred percent. Yeah. And I think like, I think that's kind of the key to some of it is like you said, like if, if like you can do the thing, then, right. it's, then it's like not as much of an issue. I think like, I think haters are going to hate or whatever. And like, there's probably, it's, it's very easy for you to say like, well, this person just got that because of this or because yeah. of whatever. And it's like, um, maybe that might've been part of it, like honestly, but it's like, but who cares? I mean, you, if you would have had that opportunity, you probably would have taken it. You wouldn't be yeah. like, "Oh, I love that!" Like, "Oh, I'm totally qualified for this gig or whatever," and I'm and I'm great and whatever, and everything's cool. But I'm not going to take the gig because you, I, you're you're my friend. Like, it's such a distracted <laughs> mindset. Yeah, wow. I like I like that statement. Like, if you were in that opportunity, you probably would have taken it too, because it just exposes that. Like, I think jealousy is a hard thing to come face to face within the mirror at least for me and for people I know but I sometimes that's all it is it's like if you feel weird about someone getting something unless it's like totally obvious and they don't have the stuff if they have the stuff then sometimes it's like put that yeah. mirror up girl <laughs> look at yourself <laughs> and then get busy I love that like the idea that if you just focus on your own stuff you'll the things will come that are meant to come. That's what my voice teacher said in high school. Yeah. Do your job and then the rest is out of your control. And it's kind of like, you know, I, we're, we're like, it's hard not to judge. Like I, I get really judgy sometimes and I'm like, oh, so judgy. <laughs> but, it, but it also is kind of like, well, yeah. And like, who are you to judge? Like maybe there, maybe someone gets a, uh, opportunity because they have potential or something or maybe it's mm -hmm. like like th these things are kind of complicated and 
and we have our very limited perceptions of the situations but yeah yeah everyone's giving you advice like build your network like you know it's about who you know and all that kind of stuff and it's like why why would you do that like that building a network is 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 tricky and there are people that yeah. are good at it and people that are not as good at it you know or, yeah. or have skills or have opportunities all that's true but if you're building a network and this was in the this was in the case of alexandra like alexandra has a just banging <laughs> network like she knows oh yeah and it's not because she's like schmarmy or something like she's mm -hmm. cool she like has the guts to go talk <laughs> to people and like and she's had and she's she's had opportunities but you know not like crazy different opportunities than a lot of other people and she has a big network and you know when you have a network it's kind of like are you just expecting those people to just like start calling you and just like start yeah. giving you things like just right. you like a car in the mail or something it's like <laughs> um no grandpa would always say like you don't no one gets anything unless they ask for it and yeah. Oh, yeah. squeaky wheel gets the oil yeah yeah and I, I always always be like so crabby when he said that because like he would be like then I like he's kind of a salesman person. So I was just like, I'm not a salesman. Like I don't feel comfortable going and like talking like being like, Hey, can I get what can I do to get you in the car today or whatever? You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. manager, I think I can get you a deal. Like it just like there's something about that that I just reject like very deeply in, in my spine. But it's <laughs> but it's not really like that. Like the asking for things is um you know, I think we all can have our own way of doing that. And like, for me, it's always been like, a, I would kind of not ask for something unless I feel like I can like do it kind of like humbly. I really like something I really need or want or whatever. And I can like, and I'm totally okay with the person saying no. And I'm also like, you know, trying to bring more value to that situation than I'm asking for or something, you know, like. I, yeah, they're not doing something for you necessarily. Like, right. it's not like you're like, um, can you make this um lead sheet for me, please? And then I'm going to put my name on it. Like, that's not what, it, whatever. That was like yeah. a stupid example. But I feel like you are clearly going to be bringing something. And then it's just finding like, like those people are like the puzzle piece to complete. It's still your yeah. thing. It's still like your You're plate. still doing your thing. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, oh, I don't have a fork. Can I, I know you have like seven. Could I use one, please? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, sure. I also have a knife. You're like, hey, <laughs> I don't know. Damn. I think it's important. Who's got the spoon? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important too because I don't know. I think like also if someone's tendency is to be humble, they're probably going to like stay humble. I think that's another thing that has been on my mind. Is like I think my perception of like ego is a little warped where I think like even just giving myself the space to be there is like egotistical and I'm able to see it more clearly in others like knowing Alexandria and how humble she, humbly she carries herself it's like <laughs> guys not about me not about me <laughs> I'm using you as an example she has the skill set like she has all the cold hard facts going on and like then Charlie brought up there's a network so then it's on Alexandria to like connect her cold hard facts with her network, which is hard, but then <laughs> and that's how things happen. I don't know. I don't know anything really, but no, the eco thing is interesting because 
operating, we have to operate with some type of ego involved, which is like the hardest part. Cause mm-hmm. I think everyone in this space right now has the most humble heart and soul and to, to be like, Hey, like, no bro. Like I'm the crap, not the crap. I'm the ish. I'm the ish. And I think you should, you know, take a chance. Like, I think it's hard. Like, like we have to have some type of that ego without crossing over the line of egotistical, which I've had discussions with people who think that ego doesn't need to be involved at all. And then that begs the question, is it ego, self-esteem? Like, how Mm -hmm. do you differentiate the two and all that stuff? I was going to say building trust with yourself is something I just thought of. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Having having enough self-worth. Like, if I'm like, I need something to get done, I could think of like four people that I would like trust to get it done if I can't do it myself. But then maybe it's like adding yourself to that list. Like, just having the awareness to know I can do this or I can do this. Yeah. Or like the trust with yourself to be like, I know how to do that. True. I mean, it's tough. Like, I think, I think we all feel like being in music is kind of, there's aspects of it that feel really competitive. I think that's where Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff kind of comes from, you know, like, um, there's only space for one right but then space for all right. or the whole like keeping an eye on like there's a lot of people who love just keeping an eye on other people which is so weird <laughs> i'm not saying i don't do it ever but it's like there's some people who are like super into that and yeah. then you're like wait should i be doing this like <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> i think just go with your intuition amy thanks um, Cool. Well, I hope I didn't bogart that uh, your what's on your mind, Alexander, too much. <laughs> no. This week, I, I just had a lot of feelings about it. Um, but but let's uh, let's hop into the newsletter. So I originally saw a TikTok. TikTok and me are on the outs, but I did see this TikTok. <laughs> We're breaking news here. <laughs> breaking news. No, it's definitely probably, I think I probably said that a ton of times, but Keegan-Michael Key was on the Drew Mar- Barrymore show. First of all, I really like Drew Barrymore. I, <laughs> especially her show, because I've seen her in things, but her show to me is like, she just like comes across as like super honest and um, she's leading with, to me, like human ideals. Like it feels very loving to me. And like she really wants to get to know who she interviews from the way I perceive it. Anyway, Keegan-Michael Key was on it and was talking about his wife, Elle. Um, and Elle asked him, what would you accomplish if you weren't telling yourself stories about why you couldn't do something? And he goes on to talk about he... He loves to sing, but I think probably felt like he maybe that wasn't his bag or whatever. And she said to him, like, you enjoy singing so much. Maybe you should sing more. And then he's done a couple of projects where he's singing in them. Mm. And then at the end of this, like, 
talk with uh, Drew, he says that you have the key, like as an, to me, I just took it as like, as an artist, you have the key and you just have to put it in the door, which is kind of like utilizing your network in a way. And he was saying like, it's been helpful to have L in his life because L is like, oh, well, you could put it there or you could put it there. And I think sometimes it is helpful to have somebody else remind you like, oh, hey, like you're good at that. You should try that. Um, but I think we can also find the doors ourselves too, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I also loved this interview because there were these two girls in the audience who like nodded. They were like, mm-hmm, when they were talking about this. And so Drew opened it to these girls and one of them was afraid of flying um, and just said like, oh, think about all the things I could do if I just kind of like confronted that fear and said she wanted to go to Europe. And then Drew got them tickets to Euro- to go to Europe, which I think is, oh. I love that. Like, how beautiful is that? And it also just kind of had me thinking about my fears in a way that was a little less, ah, there's a spider and more like just noticing the spider, but obviously the fears that have more to do with um, creating and career and that <laughs> kind of thing. I just loved it. It put me in a nice mindset. Yeah. I like how what recently I've been like exploring like the past couple of years is like you have to have the audacity, but like in the most beautiful way possible. Like yeah. I have to have the audacity to like but for me, audacity means like boldness and fierceness and like, I don't know. I don't have like the, some people like, girl, she had the audacity to call no. me Francesca. <laughs> you know, that's not what I mean. But I mean like, like the kind of like recklessness of, oh, I'm just going to do it. Like fear, she's there. But like, I'm just going to do it. You know, it's kind of yeah. like gearing up for that roller coaster of like, <laughs> I know this is going to be scary, but like I'm ready for the excitement of the ride. So having the audacity to be like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to do this. I think is a great way like to shift the mindset of doing something. Yeah, totally. Which I guess is like the key. The key is like the audacity. Like, okay. Yeah. Door. Turn. (laughs) Unlock. (laughs) Yes. Um. This made me think of kind of two things. The first thing was that like, it's so it's such a gift to have somebody in your life that like kind of sees you and you feel, I don't know, there's some of this kind of like maybe sees you in a way that you don't 100% see yourself, but you feel like, like but is it if it is like an accurate view of who you are? not just some made up caricature or whatever, you know, whatever. I mean, like, and what, it, what even is that, I guess, philosophically, it's just like, <laughs> what's the truth of who, who we are or what the thing is, but, but maybe it's kind of like seeing you in a different way that you see yourself and that you trust and, and, um, you know, th- that just like has the opportunity to actually see you that way. Like that's, that is such a gift. Yeah. The more people you can have like that, the cooler that is. But the the other part of it that made me kind of think of it was kind of a slightly different angle on this, where it's like, um, do you ever have this thing where it's like you'll you'll do something well that maybe is not like your normal bag, like it's you know maybe it's like not music or not something like that, but like you'll do something and then someone in your life will be like, oh my god, that was so good, you should like sell that. Or oh you god, that yeah. For, like you know, you should try to make money doing that, like this like side hustle. Yeah, like, it has to be like a side hustle, like a uh. job. 
I'm not saying monetize that. everything in your life. Yeah. yeah, everything you do is part of your brand. But um, <laughs> but like this this was not really about that. But that kind of made me kind of think about that a little bit. Where it's like, oh, if you do something kind of okay, then it's like, oh no, you should do that. You should find a way to like make money off of that too. Mm. And I think oh like God. that kind of is like kind of toxic. I don't think that that's what this was. But um, <laughs> like it's it's kind of funny how like that could go. Like if you're an actor and writer and all that kind of stuff like it 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 flows more that's like oh yeah i'm just gonna sing more or whatever like in and maybe there's gonna be some work that i do where i'm gonna sing that's very different than like you make muffins one time for a party <laughs> or like you should sell these muffins and it's like <laughs> you're a grad student so you think any food that's not like old subway which is like gourmet or something it's like, like i think you have a weird you both have like a weird perception of the universe, but also um, I don't have to sell, like everything I do does not have to be like for sale. Right. And I'm not saying that that's what, again, I'm not saying what that that's what this was, but th those are kind of some of the things that, that made No, you can go too far, I think, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, can we, should we move on to the next thing? Uh, Alexandra? Let's do it. You had the next A? Woohoo. Um, producers and singer-songwriters Raphael Sadiq and Steve Lacey talk about collaboration. So um, in the New York Times, they've been having this series called, I think it's called like Taking the Lead. And they essentially like pair up two or more notable figures or persons or whatever you. <laughs> and they have like cool conversations regarding things in their fields and like leadership and all those things so this um article they chose Raphael Sadiq and Steve Lacey obviously <laughs> it's are two kind of super cool people I mean they're from totally different generations like Steve Lacey I think is 24 and like Raphael really? Sadiq yeah he's oh, so, I didn't know that <laughs> he's so young yeah he was with Wait. the internet he was with the internet when he was 17 why did I think he was legitimately like 40? <laughs> Nothing against being 40. I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Raphael Sadiq is like twice his age. I think he's like 56, 57, around that era. And they both like had similar starts. Like they were both part of groups. And then they eventually ventured out on their own and they got into the whole producing situation. Anyway, um, in this, they talked about the evolution of the music industry, working as a producer, working on their own music, working within a band, and the what am, the writer, Jeremy Gordon, the first question that he posed them was, what makes a good group of collaborators? Which I think is a huge, is I think collaborate, like we were talking about before, everything is collaboration, and collaboration is as an artist, you have to be able to do it. And I feel like it's not, everyone is kind of just like vibing with it. They don't, no one really like puts like a concrete answer to like, okay, what is it like to work with? How do you, how do you, how do you become a good collaborator? Or like, how do you know the vibes are right or whatever? And so um, Lacey said, it's all based in resonance where you guys are, who you're connected to at that point, it's always flowing which I think is great because it allows for the humanness of mm -hmm. other people. Cause if you collaborate it well, when you're in your twenties, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll collaborate well when you're in your fifties because you may be in different parts of your life or you're exploring a different type of 
thing with your artistry? And then Sadiq responded, you know, we made a sacrifice to be musicians. We didn't go to college to get a degree. Music is your pension. It's your life. You have to love the people around you. And it's important to have good energy, which mm -hmm. I think is a radically different take. I mean, it's kind of the same take, but it's radically different in the, in the sense of he's like, you just have to like love and be a good person, <laughs> you know, and that that's what makes you a good collaborator with almost all peoples and understanding because if you have that center of love and having a good energy, you can walk into a room and you're not saying, oh, here, 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 here's all the things that I can do. Um, yeah, it's not self-centered. Yeah, it's like it's not like collaborating for self a benefit yeah. kind of. Yeah, it's like reading the room and understanding. Oh, yeah, like Lacey, he talks some more in the article. He like plays everything like keys, bass, guitar, drums, great producer. He doesn't walk in. He's like he he said he used to walk in with his backpack and with everything and be like, OK, here I am. And now he like <laughs> reads the room and is like, OK, maybe I just need like my my laptop today like I don't have to wow. give them everything you know so I thought that was a very interesting take on collaboration and they also have some different they talk about different things um what it's like in the music industry now with record labels and being an independent artist um what um they've learned from people around them and from each other and I think it's, it's great Everyone should check out the article. Mm. I think like an empathetic way to think about that too is um, people can try to let go of trying to prove themselves. Yeah. I think sometimes I'm so judgy about intentions of others. And like if I'm more empathetic, I think maybe some of it roots from like when you when you show up with like your whole thing, it's like maybe they don't. Like, maybe it's an effort to prove, like, no, but I can hang. And, like, seriously, if you just would listen to me where, like, people are more likely to listen if you kind of just, like, what you're saying, read the room and, like, just check it out first and then be like, oh, I have that. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Like, this is putting me in a, in a more empathetic mindset because I'm thinking about, like, my own growth and, like, just whatever as yeah. you grow I think uh it's or as maybe as you mature because I don't think it always correlates to age but as yeah. you mature it's it's easier to let go of like well I hope I hope they know I can like you know whatever yeah it's less about that and more about just like doing the thing with yeah. with others yeah I feel that like you understand what you're capable of doing and what you bring to the table but it's like you don't have to bring all the things to the table right away or yeah. if it's even needed. You can be like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this one thing or these five things. And maybe I bring half of one thing mm -hmm. to this table because it's already full. Yeah. And I guess that's like refining as we get older and older. It's refining that awareness of what we bring to the table and how it can be utilized. As I get older and older. Uh... <laughs> Being more and more tired. <laughs> Charlie. The, I, Steve Lacey, I think, is so cool. The first time I, like, I've listened to the internet and stuff, but the the first time I saw him or, like, kind of, like, perceived him 
there's a video of him like recording onto his iPhone. Yeah. Showing how he's doing his production stuff through like just through a phone or whatever. It was very cool. Um, yeah, I th like, I think one of the things I was thinking about is in terms of like collaborating, a lot of people that aren't musicians, I think assume that like the musical aspect of like working together with other musicians on a project or something is the most important thing, like that you're aligned musically or that you have a similar experience musically or, or taste musically. But like, I think what some of this is saying and what, what also kind of resonates with some of my experience is that it's kind of more about the people, like the human aspect of it, like working together and like fitting together than it is about the musical aspect of it fitting together in a way. Like it's actually kind of cool to be in different places musically or whatever and be collaborating with people that you are comfortable with that you feel or or maybe a little uncomfortable with or something in mm -hmm. some sort of way that's like pause that's like productive not that's like uh, that's going to shut people down or whatever but like if you're if if people are open and if people are like kind and yeah if they're like listening to each other if they're like in the moment with each other whatever that is like even if one person is at this place in their musical journey or likes this kind of thing and this person likes a different kind of thing or whatever, collaborating together, that can make all this different kinds of crazy stuff, but mm -hmm. that you just want to be around people that are, it's, you know, it's comfortable to be around people that are kind of like you, mm. but you can be like uncomfortable in some ways and comfortable in other ways if that makes yeah. sense it's like totally. maybe someone has a really different exp like life experience from you but they're like they're really like when you talk they're like really listening to you and they like really they really care and you care what they think and um you know and like you're patient with each other all of those kinds of like really basic things that were taught like in elementary school <laughs> yeah <laughs> person all that's like way harder to actually do all like the majority of the time than it oh, is man, yeah. the yeah. list. Um, but that's kind of like what I think about, you know, like when people are like, oh, if you're a good hang kid, you're going to make it or whatever. And it's like, well, what's a good hang? And that's, well, <laughs> right. That's kind of different for all, for all different folks, you know, but like there's some, there's probably some basic list that we can make. Totally. That That's like, just, just like, are you ethical? Like, are you, do you say what you mean and like mean mm. what you say? All those, you know, all those, like, do you have integrity? Like, are you, are you like loyal to the people that mm. you care about? You know, it's like th those kind of things. And it's that all seems like really kind of crazy, but it's like most of it's action based. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, I, everyone has a different um, definition of like what, who a good person is or whatever that is. A mm -hmm. little, but yeah. there's probably like some things that we can generally, you know, um, that we could probably generally agree on or something. Yeah. 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 That was the kind yeah. of the vibe I got from this, which is. <laughs> I love it. Be a good person. Be a good yeah. Person. Just do your best. Just try. I like read the room too. Read the room. Yeah. Read the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's like in a movie. That's like in a movie or something. Or it's like read the room. Like someone's being like really. <laughs> read the room, Lucinda. Like read the room. Is that yeah? Is that from a? No, I just Lucinda? made it up. I don't know. I feel like that'd be a good name. Read the room, Sally. 
I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's <laughs> let's move on. Read the room, Cole. Charlie. Yeah. The, um, Charlie. So uh, my A for this week was uh, comes from this uh, substack called Letters of Note. And every couple of days, it seems like they'll they'll send out a letter that's like written by a notable person or about a notable thing. And it's, it's kind of cool. I, it's, it's interesting how probably like major figures in the past, it was kind of a normal thing or it's been a normal thing where, where their letters to other people are like published in some mm -hmm. sort of way. And I just wonder if someday there's going to be like a book of like tweets or something from, <laughs> whom you know from whomever from like frank ocean or something or <laughs> you're just like uh whatsapp like a whatsapp trans transcript or something from bjork to whoever <laughs> john mayer i don't Ooh. i don't know but insane um, but there is uh a few weeks ago there was a letter from john coltrane that was written to the editor-in-chief of downbeat at the time so this is in uh this was two years after Giant Steps, which I don't. Does anybody know off the top of their head? Giant Giant Steps, what 1959? Was that I one? Know, I feel like that's my guess usually. <laughs> I think like that's like the. Um, I think nineteen fifty nine is when all that happened. Release date nineteen sixty, but yeah, mm. recorded in nineteen fifty nine. So this is this is uh, two years after that. So we're talking like nineteen sixty two. Uh, basically, the editor-in-chief of Downbeat magazine uh, at the time uh, named Don Michel sent John Coltrane a copy of this book, which contained a series of lectures delivered by composer Aaron Copeland at Harvard University in 1950, mostly about creativity and all different kinds of things. But anyway, so um, the, the editor of Downbeat sends John Coltrane this book, and then the the letter that was the letter of note is John Coltrane's response to being sent this. And he talks about this idea of this creative urge, um, the creative urge that creative people have, the urge to create new things. Um, and it's kind of a long quote that I posted here because I think there's like a lot of stuff in here. He says a lot of um, very heavy things like truth is indestructible. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that struck me was this idea that like people that are are innovating like people that are making really creative art that's like outside of the of some of the current boundaries or ways that ways that we're thinking about stuff are normally like outcasts and that mm -hmm. people have a really hard time like dealing processing with change processing change dealing with change and dealing with things that are outside of the 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 box and that to kind of like to kind of live in that space as a creator to kind of continue to do your thing and to not just feel like totally just de dejected and destroyed by society. It's like this creative urge is the thing that kind of like gets you through it. The urge to just kind of keep doing the thing, hmm. um, which is obviously not, not an easy thing to do. Uh, but yeah, often he said often uh, create uh, often, they're rejects, outcasts, sub-citizens of the very societies to which they bring so much sustenance. Often they are people who endure great personal tragedy, tragedy in their lives. Whatever the case, whether accepted or rejected, rich or poor, they are forever guided by that great and eternal constant, the creative urge. Mm. Um, and so he, it's kind of interesting because like this, 
this person sends him this book and he's like, Hey, what's up? And then John Coltrane's like, I've been reading about Van Gogh. And also I have all <laughs> and it's just like, okay. <laughs> John Coltrane just being like, yeah, that's cool. This is why I want to talk about this kind of what I'm thinking about. And I don't know the, this book, uh, this Aaron Copeland book, but um, maybe we'll put it on the, in the book club reading list. Ooh, ooh, I'm down. Um, but yeah, it, I thought that, I thought that was, uh, that was really kind of cool i don't know have either of you ever felt like you were like doing something creative that was like people were like i don't know about that that seems like kind of weird or do you feel like you've been down the down the center the whole time i think <laughs> after grad school i think i have more of an urge to create something that's i think we all have this urge to create something that probably hasn't been done before but it's semi been done but like who really has done something that i don't know but i feel yeah i think oh i think we're we have attempted to push the boundary of whatever we're in because it's no fun staying right where everyone is and not it's not fun and it also doesn't bring a sense of fulfillment artistically <laughs> if I'm just copying pasting. Yeah. So I think I think that's the the whole journey in like finding one's artistic voice is how how different can I be and how much truth can even though the truth is the truth that's what he's saying truth is indestructible and objective truth is objective truth how can I tell those same truths in the most artistically sound and genuine way as possible. Does that make sense? I think. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I I like there's this idea that like um you should or like if there's a book you want that you wish existed, but mm -hmm. then you you should write it, you know? And yeah. I think that it's like if there's music that you would really love to listen to but it doesn't exist, you can't find it, you just make it yourself and Yeah. Like I, I've thought about that. I think that's like a way of thinking about it. Cause sometimes it, from just making music or just making new stuff, like for me, cause sometimes it's kind of like, well, I guess I have to make something. So like, what is that going to be? <laughs> it's just kind of like, whoa, that just feels, I feel like when I come at it from that energy, I get really stuck. But if it's kind of like, yeah, like, what do I want to listen to? Like, what, do, what, like, what would sound cool? Like, what do I kind of like wish I could be listening to right now? And it's like, maybe I'll try to do something in that. I'll try to like go there and it's like usually some it's like in that direction, but it's like not, you know, it's like not exactly that, but it's like something else. Mm -hmm. but it's like, that's kind of like going, just going through my filter or something, or that's just how the, some of the random chance of it kind of made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's also been like sort of just putting aside comments or labels because I don't, I think I'm still trying to find stuff, but one comment that I like get over and over again is like, yeah, that kind of sounds like a little musical theater in that measure. And like, so, so sometimes when I'm writing, I like try to take stuff out. Like most of the time it's like a sus thing or whatever. Like, so for a while I was trying to like take whatever, edit that out of stuff. Mm. And now I've been trying to just write what's on my mind rather than, or in my in my soul rather than like like if I have if it comes to me like oh that leans this way I try to just let that go so that I can try to make 
whatever is trying to come out. And then if I and then if it's done, whatever done means, and I want to <laughs> go back, then I guess that's a different thing. But I think like listening to labels or critiques like in the process can be limiting hmm. for me. Because I'm like, ah, like, oh, but it sounds like, you know, whatever. It's like, stop. Why am I trying? Whatever. I just should write as myself. <laughs> and then it'll fall where people think it should fall. You know, like, that's kind of out of our control, I guess. Like, what people label it as. Yeah. Yeah, my vibe was always, like, the indie rock people would be like, wow, that's so jazzy. And I'm like, oh, is- God. And then all the jazz people would be like, wow, that's so like rocky or whatever. I don't even know what to call that. And I'm like, oh, I was like, you just get everyone get off of me. I don't want to. Yeah. Want to hear about this. Anytime. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, there are certain like there are certain like, oh, that reminds me of this or whatever. That are just like so triggering, especially if you've like heard it a bunch already or if it's like, oh, oh my God, I know. Yeah. Um, I love the way you describe your music, Charlie. It's so. What? Oh, I just kind of make these whale noises. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. I like. I think. I think someone. So said, funny. Like, oh yeah. There's always like whale noises in your music, and I was like, yeah. Or there wasn't one song. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. Yep, it's in everything. But it's just kind of like, yeah. It's it's just freeing to not re- not have it connected to any sort of musical language at all and just be like mm-hmm. yeah you know i'm just over here like making whale noises and i think like people get the vibe that i'm actually not making whale noises right sometimes not all the time not all the time, <laughs> but it's like um but it's just kind of like yeah just let me disconnect it from like whatever sort of whatever sort of like uh genre <laughs> sort of situation i think it is what's the genre for whale noises no one knows ocean <laughs> ocean music ocean deep dark <laughs> ocean music um okay cool speaking of music that's what we're here to do let's oh, talk yeah. about uh, let's talk about new music this week new beep, music. i don't know if we have a theme song for this so there's just me going so our first uh first thing that kind of came out this week or recently was uh tom bang bang bengalter bangalter I don't know. I God, we we struggle so much like saying people's names. Just, it's hard. There needs to be a disclaimer. We're gonna say everyone's name different every time and kind of wrong. Bangalter is it Bangalter? Um, Bangalter? Bangalter. So uh, from Daft Punk. So he's one of the Daft Punk folks. Um, Daft Punk is playing at my house. My house. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, Recently, he collaborated uh, with the opera National de Bordeaux to score a project called Mythologies, which is uh, uh, which is ballet music for the ballet Prelioquel some French thing. Yes, uh, last summer. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and so th- uh, this this is actually really cool. It's like very different than what I assumed it was going to be. Just kind of like knowing that it was like the Daft Punk, the Daft Punk guy or whatever doing this like. Uh, ballet music i thought it was going to be like much more dancey or like much more electronic or anything but it's like it's like pretty classic sort of like orchestral stuff and he um he says that you know his score embraces the history of orchestral ballet music so um what's kind of interesting has have either of you checked out you're not both of you are kind of spotify folks right primarily or yes yeah 
embarrassingly, but this new there's new Apple Music app that they've been like they've been um pushing really hard but it, like it's connected to your app it's like if you have apple music then you have this apple classical music app oh i saw that oh and um they're they basically made it i think because it it's like formatted a little bit differently in the way that like classical music like titles and movements mm -hmm. and composers versus like the it's uh, composers versus the musicians performing the music and all that kind of stuff like that doesn't work so well um well like with popular music like it's the the formatting of that stuff in like databases is a little bit different so i think that's like the main vibe of the apple classical music app um but i don't know where i was going with that but the um but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's like very it's very like straight ahead classical ballet music, which is kind of cool that it's like, you know, it's like a new thing and that's all happening. And um, yeah, it's just it's kind of interesting to me, like these folks that that feel like they're in a speaking of kind of like putting people in boxes or something, but like mm -hmm. you know, people that are scoring like film music and then they, you know, they have worlds and in like classical universe and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's like, I think, I think it's just so cool how fluid all this can be. And, and um, I think really like the only thing that's holding a lot of people back from like doing different kinds of things that they're interested in is, is like their own getting in their own head about like, you know, what their title is. I mean, it kind of goes back to like the, yeah, you're, you sing so well, why don't you just sing more? And it's like, Oh, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> um but yeah it's really it's really cool it's great it, it's great for like spring kind of gives you spring kind of classical orchestral music vibes and all that kind of stuff so pick vibes vibes um and then the other thing uh, that i put on the list was uh brandy younger younger who is um a harpist and like a jazz harpist i guess or or something Ooh. like definitely this album is is kind of transcends jazz or classical music or there's like a lot of different kinds of things on this album it was funny because i was actually listening to both of these albums the um thomas bangalter thing and then the brandy younger thing like back to back and i was kind of like okay now we're getting some like there's some drum set now like there's like some groove happening in this like ballet thing from punk <laughs> <laughs> gone on to brandy younger's album and i was like because it like starts with like a very kind of like classical kind of harp kind of vibe sounding thing and i was like okay and then like the beat drops and i was like ooh, and i was like, okay. like what I was, but it was like a totally different album it was the next album that was like on the playlist um that i made for kind of new music this spring so that's so uh, funny yeah but uh but yeah i'm not super super familiar uh with with uh brandy younger's work but um i've been listening to this album this week and it's really cool so apparently the album um is uh there's original work on it but there's also kind of interpretations of uh this this famous jazz harpist named uh dorothy ashby which i didn't i don't know much about but i don't know mm -hmm. if either of you have heard that name before okay so i have okay so so it's kind of cool so it's like a little bit of a nod to like um you know the his the the history of jazz harp but but um it's very cool there's like some there's vocal stuff there's instrumental stuff on it um again it's like a great the harp is a great spring instrument i don't know Aww. it makes me think that but it just feels like yeah blooming flowers for this time of year and then um and then alex hmm. I, I think you put the new daniel caesar thing on here right yeah 
<laughs> Daniel Caesar, I didn't even know Daniel Caesar came out with a new album. Um, but he came out with his third studio album, uh, Never Enough. Fat Never title. Enough. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, that's so beautiful. Um, and it honestly, it's taken me a few listens to like really. I think there's something wrong with my ears. I need to get my ears checked because or I've been like watching things with too many closed captions. So whenever I hear someone talking, it takes me like a bit to comprehend everything. Um, So it took me a while to <laughs> comprehend the themes that he was talking about within the album. Um, But I think it explores like the title says it explores a lot of these conflicting ideas of what we talked about earlier, like knowing what you bring to the table but also understanding that you're still in a place for progress and like building your sound as a musician an artist. And then he also talks about like his personal life, all of these things. And I think it's a pretty good album. I think it's like the first upon like second listen, I'm like, this is heavily influenced by Frank Ocean. Um, mm. But which I think a lot of R and B male singers kind of have taken that same Frank, Frankie Frank situation um but he says and like i love now in apple music they have most people like type a little something about the album now kind of like their liner notes so in that he said in this album he was really aggressively seeking out the truth and trying to learn about myself himself and about the world in which he lives in because he wants answers which i find kind of cool like we all want answers like for some semblance of control but we will never get it true but the all we can do is try um yeah I'm a, I'm a fan of daniel caesar that um i have just as many students this semester singing daniel caesar songs as um as taylor swift songs which is like <gasps> wow wow so that's like we're balancing out the taylor swift with the daniel caesar in my <laughs> privacy <laughs> oh my gosh it's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about. It. There's like there's also like four versions of this album. There's like the normal really? the normal album like the normal album and then like the explicit version of the normal album. Mm. And then there's like an extended version of the explicit extended version. I was like checking this out this morning, but yeah, there's like a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. It seems like it's been a minute since he's record like since he's released something, but this yeah. feels like a really thick sort of thing like there's a lot here. Yeah, um, I think because he went through that, like he was one of the first artists to kind of get canceled. Not first artist, but I think he was like canceled for a hot minute. I yeah, don't I, don't know. Know any, I don't know anything about that. Me neither. Um, but I'm just scrolling the TikToks, of course. Aha. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and apparently he apologized or something or another. So I'm guessing like he took a step back to do some real. I think that's what maybe prompted the self-evaluation. Hmm. Which I think led to a digger, a deeper dive into what who is Daniel Caesar and what does he stand for. That's heavy. Yeah. So there, uh, I'm just looking this up right now. So there's an article that says this is from this is from Friday. It says Daniel Caesar reflects on backlash after contro controversial remarks about black people. Oh. I don't know exactly what he said, but. Um, it says in 2019, Daniel defended comments made by canceled influencer Yes Jules about Scotty Beam and Karen Civil after the two women claimed 
the Caucasian blogger was exploiting black culture. So mm. I, that was not on my radar, but if anyone wants to know more about that, that's, that's <laughs> out there. And uh, yeah, there's an article about him reflecting on all that. I don't know. I don't know. Like, wow. where the, I don't know where the, the discourse is right now on Daniel Caesar. That has not come up again in my private lessons in which we were singing a lot. Of <laughs> or something. Or something so. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about it either. I think I was just like checked out during that 20, I think it was 2019, right? You said? Yeah. So it's like, and I think. We, yeah. we maybe had other things to think about then or something, or there was like so mm -hmm. many, there were so many things <laughs> happening at the same time. Um, True. But anyways, uh, however you feel about all that, something to check out. Our extra credit this week was uh, from one of my favorite uh, Twitter accounts, Threatening Notation, um, which I'm not really on Twitter anymore because Twitter has become kind of rough to use. There was a whole thing last week where uh, I guess because Elon Musk was like upset about Substack that he was like blocking all Substack links on Twitter, like just deleting them. And if you oh mentioned gosh. Substack, you would get blocked or something. I don't want to get sued by Twitter, Elon Musk. So you can like read about that. But Yoinks. I've been on Twitter lately, but this is an old tweet that I had in my like in my little save yeah. folder. And this is a threatening notation, a rhythmic guide to all rhythm. And it's like, it's just a funny little image where it's like stupid. I, did you all do like uh, pass the goddamn butter, pass the goddamn butter, pass or like never or like, nice cup of tea, nice cup of tea, nice cup of tea, yeah. like triplets versus duplet, yeah, kind of thing or whatever. Strawberry, little do do, little monster yeah. beat, yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like when I was in when I was in elementary school, we lived close to a place called a town called Appleton, mm -hmm. so we did that as triplets. We'd be like Appleton, 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 Appleton. <laughs> And then be like, Nina, 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 Appleton. Appleton. Just like dorky, sort of like, you know, rural Wisconsin sort of situations. But this one's really funny because the first one just got me. It was like, it's like two eighth notes and a quarter note. And then the, the rhythm or like the word for it is Baja Blast. Baja Blast. Baja Blast. And then there's like hot chocolate, hot chocolate. And then there's like gluten-free cereal, gluten-free cereal. And then <laughs> And there's one that's like, pay attention, Ryan, pay attention, Ryan. <laughs> and then it's like, Crunchwrap Supreme, Crunchwrap Supreme, Crunchwrap oh Supreme. God. And then the last I one like is one. note, and it's just ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. So, again, it's like very dad jokey. Um, but that's our that was our extra credit this week. Is there is there uh, anything else? Did I forget anything? No. I just like this one that says chicken fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> and I'm going to try to read that. The long one? The long one. Chicken fettuccine Alfredo with broccoli and a side of freshly toasted, freshly toasted garlic, garlic, garlic bread. Drink of your choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole rhythm. <laughs> we did not do that in elementary school. That was Yeah, no. Um, okay, cool. Amy, do you want to read us out? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening and supporting 4A Music. Please remember to like and subscribe. And if you leave us a review, it helps us out a lot. And we'll promote you on our show. For more, <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 4A Music. Subscribe to our newsletter at 4amusic.substack.com. And check out our website at 4amusic.com. Very good. Alex, what's our quote this week? John Legend says...
Play it by ear. Play it by ear. <laughs> All right. We think you're super. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>